So, hello everybody. I'm Pastor Logan. I'm the new guy around here, like I said before. Uh, I started a Bethel brand a couple months ago. You may have seen me online doing some stuff. Um, I'm really excited to continue doing that. And they were, they were nice enough to give me the mic today. So I uh, guess we'll see how this goes. Um, no, I'm, jokes aside, I was born and raised here in Brandon. Um, I have a mom, two older brothers. And I just have to give a special thanks to my mom because she took three little boys by herself and raised three grown men. Three amazing grown men, I might add. Um, so thank you for that, God. And um, yeah, but let's just jump right into this. Normally when I preach... I don't come up with a title. I don't like to be that structured. I just don't. I just pick a piece of scripture and I let God speak to me. But this sermon was unique because it actually came to me years ago. God planted a seed and I've just been watering it and watering and watering it. And now we get to see it flourish. So when I was in college, um, I went to Bible college. And for two summers, I worked with our denomination. I worked with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. I was a district uh, worker for them, so I helped plan and run camps and all that fun stuff. Amazing job. Learned tons. And uh, it was in 2018, it was at youth camp. One of the speakers was talking about faith. And he was explaining to teenagers what faith is and how we can actually exercise it. And he was giving biblical examples of what faith was. And he started talking about Peter. Now, Peter, he said, has always been cast in a negative light. At least everything that he's read, everything that he's experienced, um, Peter's always negative. But he's like, no, he's really a good example of faith. And then at this moment, I'll be honest, I completely checked out because God put just this channeling of information in me about what Peter is and how we should be more like Peter. So if you guessed it, that's right. That's what the sermon's called, Be More Like Peter. So I think to ask the question of to be more like Peter, we have to ask ourselves two important questions. Question one, who is Peter? The other important question, why is he important? What makes Peter important enough, good enough to replicate, to emulate? Well, Peter was born at about 1 BC, and he died at around 67 AD. So he's one year older than Jesus, and he lived about half, like he lived double the life of Christ. Now, Peter was originally named Simon, and Jesus, in Peter's call narrative, actually changes his name from Simon to Peter. Now, Peter was Petros, meaning rock. And this will become a theme later on throughout Peter's life of rock, being the rock, being Jesus' rock, being the rock of the 12 disciples. Jesus had a brother named Andrew, and together they were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. Now, fishermen at the time were these big, burly, rough and tough, gruff, shabbily dressed, unkept, smelly, used vulgar language type of guys. They were like the working man, the stereotypical, like, ah, oh, type people. But it's important to note that Peter also had a family. He was married. He had a mother-in-law. He had all kinds of family around him. Um, and one of the first interactions that we have between Jesus and Peter is 
Jesus actually healing Peter's mother-in-law. And that kind of establishes a good relationship that these two have. But one thing about being a fisherman at this time, it was dangerous. I mean, I've watched Deadliest Catch, so I know being a fisherman today is dangerous. Um, but back then, it was even more dangerous because they didn't have giant boats and all these things to keep them alive like we have today. So fishermen died. It was a, it was a fearful job. And Peter and Andrew were no exception. So we see that they're obviously willing to risk their lives for this. And they were successful at it. They had multiple boats and nets and, and all this stuff. And it sort of gives us a glimpse of who Peter is and why we need to be more like Peter. Because being a fisherman, was it shows his boldness. And how that boldness is something that will flourish into who Peter becomes later on. And that starts because he was a fisherman. Now, like I said, fishing back then was expensive, just like, it, just like it, it's expensive today. So when we see Jesus walk up to them and say, hey, come and follow me, and the two brothers drop everything and say yes, and they follow him on the spot. Contextually, they were giving up everything. They had a thriving fishing business. They had families. They had money. They had everything. But they say, yes. They drop everything and walk away with nothing but the clothes on their back and they follow Jesus. This early part of Peter's life establishes his boldness by being a fisherman, but his faithfulness to follow Jesus at the drop of a hat. So I could spend this entire time that we have together talking about just specific dates and timelines and going through every achievement that Peter ever did. But I guarantee you, you'd be falling asleep on your couch at home. I don't want that. So I decided to pick one important moment. So in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, it says this. It says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Then Jesus stayed behind and he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray and be alone. Pause. When we read scripture, we have to look at the before, we have to look at the after, we have to, surround, we have to look at the surroundings. That's called context. So why did Jesus have to dismiss a crowd and what crowd was it? Well, the previous story in Matthew 14 is the feeding of the 5,000. So obviously there's around 5,000 people that Jesus has to dismiss. The reason Jesus has to dismiss them is A, he's leaving, um, but B, more importantly, it's nighttime, it's becoming cold, and they're in the middle of the wilderness with no gear to survive. So Jesus is like, hey, I love y'all, but you need to go home. And now you might be wondering, why didn't he get on the boat with the rest of the disciples? Well, at the beginning of Matthew 14, um, one of Jesus' closest friends, um, and I believe cousin actually, um, was killed. John the Baptist dies. He's beheaded. So I know that when I've lost people close to me, I have to go be alone. I don't th Jesus was fully human. He has to do the same thing. He's grieving. And he goes up on the mountainside to grieve. 
But later on through the night, after he was alone, and the boat was already very far away across the Sea of Galilee, shortly before dawn, some of your Bibles might say the fourth watch, which would mean 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., um, he goes out onto the lake and starts walking towards the disciples. Then when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they became terrified, saying, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, don't be afraid, it is I. This is, again, another example of Peter's boldness, because he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind and he saw the waves, he, begot, he became afraid and he began to sink. And he cries out, Lord, please save me. So, Jesus walks over to him, gives him his hand, pulls him out of the water. And then Jesus and Peter share one of the most intimate moments we've ever seen recorded in Scripture between somebody and Jesus. He asks Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed on the boat and Jesus calmed the storm, we see the whole boat fall on their knees and start worshiping and praising God and saying, truly, Jesus, you are the Son of God. Now, some of you might be wondering, why did I choose this passage? Because clearly, if we want to be more like Peter, I don't think we want to walk around falling in water. Um, but that's actually precisely why I chose the passage. It's because Peter falls in the water. And the reason he falls in the water is because he gets out of the boat. None of the other 11 disciples had the courage, the boldness, the faithfulness to step out of the boat and be willing to fall in the water. Now, something that struck me is that there's this phrase, and it shows up four times in the book of Matthew. It's of little faith. And each time it shows up in the book of Matthew, it follows the same pattern. Miraculous action, doubt, little faith, some kind of misunderstanding. And then we have worship and understanding, A, B, C. So let's look at another piece of scripture that comes before this to see if we can establish this pattern. Matthew 8, 23 to 27 says, And when he, did, he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And then a great storm arose on the sea, and that the boat was being swamped by the waves and crashed by the wind. But Jesus was asleep. And then they went and woke him up again, saying, Lord, save us, save us. We're going to perish. Then Jesus arose, and he says to them, Why are you afraid? He got up on deck, he rebuked the waves and calmed the sea. And then the whole boat marveled and sang to him, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? There's reverence. They worship God because he was able to 
calm the storm. So, we see the miraculous action. Jesus calms the storm. They obviously doubt that he, you know, that they're going to die because of all of the seas, and they even doubt that Jesus could do it. Calms the storm. Then we have the under, great understanding that he can calm the sea. He's powerful. He is who he says he is. Now, does our passage follow the same pattern? Miraculous action. Peter and Jesus walk on water, and the sea is calm. Is there doubt? Yes, Peter falls in. Then we have the of little faith. Then we see the whole boat worship him and admit that he is the Son of God. This is the first time they admit that, by the way, in the book of Matthew. They admit that truly he is the Son of God. We see there's this slow releasing of Jesus' true identity. Now, why is this important? So many times I have heard this and understood this as Jesus rebuking and chastising Peter for having no or little faith. But really, it's actually the opposite. It's not him chastising and rebuking Peter. It's actually a teaching moment. Because Jesus is omniscient, just like God, because he's fully human and fully God. He knows that Peter is going to be the rock on which he builds the church. He knows that uh, Peter is the leader of the 12 disciples. He knows that there's great in Peter. So instead of rebuking him for having little faith, he coaches him and he teaches him how to have more. And it's important to note that little faith is different than no faith. Because earlier in Matthew 13, when Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth, we actually see that Jesus straight up tells them, you have no faith. Some translations say lack of faith. So clearly the disciples are doing something right because they have a little bit of faith. Now, there is clearly a stark contrast there. There is no faith. There are people that have no faith, and there are people that have little faith. I'm going to be honest, I'm one of the people that has little faith. I'm still working on it. But little faith, in this instance, actually means there's room to grow. You can't start from nothing. Okay, so if you have zero faith, there's no room to grow because you have nothing. But if you have little faith, all of a sudden, that starts here, and then you can grow. Every instance of this phrase of little faith being used has led to great breakthrough for Peter and the disciples. Like I said, Peter became the de facto leader of the 12 disciples. We see him constantly being the one to step up answer the questions, to defend him and the disciples and even Jesus, right? And is he right in doing all of these things? Not necessarily, but part of being a good leader is that he stands up for his followers. Part of a good leader is being the first to charge into battle, or in this case, 
being the first to step out of the boat and set an example. Yes, he fell in the water, but more importantly, he got out of the boat. He walked on water. Peter is actually exemplifying all of these amazingly good leadership traits of boldness and faithfulness. And I can't substantiate this claim fully. All I know is that Peter has this amazing moment with Jesus where he walks on water, and then later on, we see that Jesus tells Peter that he is the rock on which he will build the church. Now, can I say with absolute certainty that if Peter doesn't walk on the water that none of the other stuff happens? Absolutely not. That's an absurd, it's completely absurd to claim that. But there is correlation there, and that this is a catalyst moment for Peter. Imagine if we took a step out of the boat. What good and amazing things does Jesus have waiting for us? when we take that step of faith and boldness. So, I haven't been in ministry that long. I've been in ministry like six years. Um, but I've, in that time, and even before that, even when I was just a Christian volunteering, um, every time something amazing and great, miraculous, has happened, has been because... I took a big step in faith and said yes. So I graduated high school in 2015, and I had been working um, at Pizza Out here in Brandon as like a training supervisor. I was working full-time in the summer. Great job. And um, I had just taken a week off to go on this camping trip with my youth group. I was a junior youth leader at the time, and they really needed me. So I was like, cool, I'll take a week off. Let's go camping. And... In the middle of this trip, I get a phone call from a friend of mine at like 3, 4 a.m. She was a camp director, worship leader uh, at Camp Arness. Now, Camp Arness is this giant camp just north of Gimli. Um, they see like hundreds and hundreds of students through there every week. Uh, it, it's incredible. A lot of them are like child and family services, kids from foster homes and everything. So real tough kids, um, really broken and just need love. Um, but I'll be honest. I was like, okay, I'm in the middle of this camping trip. I'll talk about it later, and I'll see you later. Because it's 4 a.m. I'm, I'm not coherent at that time. But I told her I'd think about it, I'd pray about it, and I'd talk to my boss and see what's up. Now I'm going to be honest. I did not want to go. I'm going to be real. Didn't want to go. I was like, I want to work full-time, make money, sit at home, and play video games with my friends. That's just who I was at the time. But I said to my friend, I would talk to my boss, and I'm not a liar, so I was like, I'll go and talk to him. So I go to my boss, and I don't expect him to say yes. I had just taken a week off. I go to him, and I say, hey, there's this camp. They need help. Um, they need male cabin leaders, like, really bad, or they can't really run camp. And he's like, oh, I think that's a great idea. You should go. I was like, what? 
I was mind blown. This guy's not a Christian. He doesn't understand. Like, I was so blown away. But he said, go. I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to go now. So I took a big step and I went. To say I was like scared is a complete understatement. I was absolutely terrified and petrified beyond belief. Because I had never done camp ministry. I had barely been a youth leader, maybe a year and a half. Like, I didn't know anything. I had never led anybody to Jesus yet. And I was like, well, that's kind of an important thing to know how to do. <laughs> but here I am on my way to camp. Little did I know that this would become a foundational moment for me. And I don't think my boss knew that, him just saying yes to one of his employees to have a week off. But man, do I owe it to him because that, this week at camp changed my life. I remember driving with my mom. She was taking me out to camp. And um, I remember like being really, really excited and telling her, like, yeah, I'm really excited to do this because I do love youth ministry. And I remember we, we stopped, I think it was Gimli or, or something, and I was like, I'm going to get some candy, and I'm going to like play a name game or something with my cabin mates or whatever to get to know them. I was like, I'm going to be the cool leader. I was just stalling for time, man. I did not want to go. And if I had told my mom that, we would have turned right around and went home. But I knew that this was something that I had to do, so I had to put on a brave face. Um, but... I get there, and this first night of camp, uh, we're, we're meeting, we're, we're having fun as a team, we're praying, worshiping, sharing some food, and um, it comes time, we're praying for each other. And one of the older uh, counselors comes up to me, and he kinda, I had just shook in his hand and said, hey, I'm George. He's like, hey, hey I'm Logan. And um, he's like, I want to pray for you. I was like, okay, sure. He's like, I feel like I need to pray for healing. Now at the time, I hadn't told anybody this, but I had fallen at work. Like I was moving something and I fell forward and I did that really silly thing and you're not supposed to do. I landed on my wrist and they went and they like crunched in. And so my wrists were kind of like hurting. It wasn't like a life-threatening injury or anything, but it definitely was annoying. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, my wrists have been hurting. So he takes my wrists, he heals, and he prays and I was healed just healed, done. Now, mind you, I'm still a new Christian, and I was like, whoa, it's kind of crazy, because I had a full range of motion back, and everything was good. God was moving in that place, and he was moving through me. I led, I think, half of my cabin to Jesus that week. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. I didn't know the right words to say. I didn't have the magical formula. But I took a step out in faith. I went with boldness and faithfulness, like Peter, and I had some of the most intimate moments I've ever had with Jesus. I saw hundreds of youth crying on their knees at the altar for Jesus to become the Lord of their lives. Be more like Peter. Take that step out in faith. Be bold. Because Jesus has so much more for you planned. 
Here's a quote. It's from a famous author, John Ortberg, who's a pretty well-known Christian author. He says, only Peter knew that when he sank, Jesus would be there, and he was wholly adequate to save. The other disciples could not know because they never got out of the boat. This is the fundamental truth. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, you've got to take a step in faith. It involves risky obedience. We may never be put in a position like Peter to walk on water. I think it would be super cool if I did. And it could happen, but I think God has other plans in store for me and for you. And I know everyone listening out there, you have a boat. Everybody has a boat in their life. And everybody has a, has a step waiting for them. And I'm going to be real with you. You're going to fall in the water. You're going to fall in the water. But guess what? You know who's right there to pick you up? Say, come here. Jesus is right there. So it's when we take that step of faith, we don't have to be scared. Jesus is there. And I'll let you in on something even cooler about this idea in this passage. I know I talked about Jesus being alone on the mountain. Well, I did some geography studying, and I talked, and I read some articles from people who have actually been to this site. And what's really, really cool is that the whole time that Jesus is alone and the disciples are on going through this giant storm, Jesus can see them. He can see them, and he has a watchful eye on them. When we take that step out, we're not doing it alone. When we be more like Peter, when we take that step in faith, it's with Jesus at our side. He's got our hand and he's ready to pull us up for when we fail. Because we're going to fail. But you know what? That's how we get better. That's how Peter gets better. That's how the other two times we see of little faith, each time the disciples get a better understanding of who Jesus is and what he has available for us. This act of faith from Peter has radiated throughout history. Peter becomes the rock on which Jesus builds the church. This moment for Peter walking on water is foundational. You best believe it, Peter's going around saying, I walked on water. He's not doing it to be boastful. He's saying, God is so good, I was able to walk on water. Just like this week at camp for me was foundational. That was what hooked me on getting into ministry. I've had other moments where I thought about going into ministry, but that week, seeing those kids' lives change, having them reach out to me a couple of weeks later and say, thanks, Logan, for doing that. Thanks for listening. That's what brought me here. Just like Peter walking on water. That's a foundational moment for him. 
as a leader, as a Christian, as, as everything. Because he was bold and he was faithful and he stepped out. Michael Watkins, he's one of my favorite authors. He makes some of the best commentaries. He says this. He says, no matter what Peter is called to by the Lord, faith simply means saying yes to that call, to that summons. As the leader of the early church, Peter exemplifies that kind of faith, and the people of the church carefully follow his example. So as we leave this season of summer, and as we go into the start of our kickoff for Bethel, as we kind of start our year over again, so to speak, let's do it with a big, bold step in faith forward. Maybe God has something big in store for you, and all you need to do is say yes. Say yes. Because I guarantee you something good is going to come out of it. Only good things come. We've seen it in the pattern. We've seen it all throughout Scripture. We've seen it throughout our lives. Be more like Peter as we leave today. Peter was fearless. Peter was bold. Peter was full of faith, man. That's what we need. We need more faithful, bold, and fearful churchgoers in our time. Um, but I'm going to end in prayer. And um, yeah, I just want to leave you finally with just go and be bold. God's got your back, man. Thank you, God, for this amazing church. God, thank you for the people watching at home. Thank you for your disciple Peter and what he modeled for us. God, I pray that you take over the homes of the people listening right now, God. That you meet them in their living rooms. That you meet them in a new and powerful way, Holy Spirit. That you just, you come and you imbue them with your power to go out and to be bold. To be faithful, to be fearful, God. To know that you have something waiting in the wings for them that is so good. And God, I pray for those students who are going back to school again, God. I pray that they go and they take a big, bold step to go and to serve and to be open to what you are leading them to do. I pray all these things in your mighty and powerful name, Jesus. Amen.